Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. This morning, we're going to be continuing with our series called Grace in Action. Um, and I'm going to be speaking from James chapter 4, verse 13 to James 5, verse 6. Uh, about uh, what does it mean to live for today? Now, if I were to ask you that question, I'm sure quite a few things pop into your mind straight away. It's such a popular topic these days. A quick Google search on mindfulness or living for today or being fully present will provide you with lots of sites and top tips on everything from looking at the birds to breathing exercises to inspirational quotes. Um, For me... Uh, Nothing has quite taught me more about seizing the moment than living in the UK and getting used to its weather. Um, I did not realize how much I took the sun for granted until I got here. Uh, I was just always used to the sun lasting all day. And if you missed it that day, you just went out the next and there was always another sunny day. Um, But since I've moved here, I have learned now to run for the sun. Um, In fact, my weather app and I are are very close. Um, Not that it can always be trusted, but at least it gives me an indication of what's coming. Um, And it's well known amongst my family. My kids will even start telling me a few days out, Mom, Mom, it's your day on Tuesday. And so I make sure I get to the shops ahead of time to buy the barbecue things. And so that when the day comes, I've got the day fully set out for the sun. And the kids know the drill. Um, Sun's out, quickly grab the lounger for mom, the cushion, the sunscreen, and the book. Um, often I have to start now under a blanket because it's not quite warm enough yet. But, you know, I have learned from my past arrogant mistakes not to turn my nose up at 15 degrees because that might be the best moment of the week. So now I humbly grab any opportunity that comes my way and, and make it work. <laughs> I see Sandy clapping over there. I'm learning, I'm learning. So um, the world understands that there is a lot of wisdom in in living in the moment. And, you know, I've noticed in the Western first world that there's actually a lot of good wisdom out there, much of which is is based on biblical principles, even though many are no longer Christians. Um, For example, here in the UK, there's an amazing focus on on such um, support for charities. And, you know, I was just walking down the road a couple of years ago and I was chatting with the Lord about this. And, and I felt him say to me, yes, but the challenge is that it's like a road where there's the tire on top, which looks okay, but underneath there's no foundation. And so when a heavy uh, weight comes, like a car drives over it, it crashes like a sinkhole. And, and I saw how over the generations, what had started out as biblically-based wisdom had been eroded away from underneath them, the further people have gotten away from the Lord and the truth. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at what it really means to live for today and to try to clarify and line up our thinking with godly wisdom and biblical truths rather than the watered-down worldly wisdom that seems good until it can't take the weight. So let's have a read through today's passage, which is from James chapter 4, verse 13, uh, to James 5, verse 6. Now, warning, uh, this is one of those passages where we may all need to let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit reveal things to us that are deep in our hearts. 
which can be a little uncomfortable. Um, but remember that the Lord highlights them to bring us into a place of freedom and joy. I'm just putting that there, especially for the Gen Zs who are watching and don't like things that make them a little uncomfortable and not are all happy. Um, anyway, so um, verse 13 says, Now listen, you who say, uh, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Well, 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 we all got a few smacks there. Um, but I just want to start off by saying that James is not saying that making plans is wrong or that having wealth is wrong. But he has got some warnings for all of us and some questions that we all should ask ourselves. Um, you know, for example, are we so able to control our surroundings, our bank balance, our relationships, and our daily life that we leave the Lord out of our planning? Is he just an afterthought, a last minute prayer for blessing on the plans we have already made? Or is he the starting point? If he really is the Lord of our lives, shouldn't we be asking him first before we make any plans? And shouldn't we be seeking to follow his will and work with him to build his kingdom uh, rather than our own? You know, in this passage, James is asking quite a few tough questions, which I just want to take a moment just to ask ourselves. Are we living on earth in luxury and self-indulgence? You know, are we gaining wealth by immoral means, hoarding our wealth for our own use? making plans that suit us and then boasting about them? Um, do we think that we're in control and that we know what will happen in the future? Are we leaving the Lord out of our plans? Are we building our own kingdom instead of the Lord's? Is our security based in our wealth or on our own self-reliance? And do we know what the right thing is to do but choose not to do it? As part of asking these tough questions, James has got three warnings for us. And the first is that life is uncertain. Well, I don't think I have to convince any of us of that in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, if anyone had told us 18 months ago that we would be spending weeks stuck in our homes, homeschooling, cutting our own hair, you can see I haven't yet managed to get to the hairdresser, um, uh, using Zoom as means of communication, being excited by a daily walk and regularly sticking sticks up our noses, would any of us have believed them? Of course not. But it's happened. And James is reminding us that only God knows the future and that none of us really know for sure what will happen tomorrow. 
In fact, we don't even know what will happen later today. You know, a few years ago, my dad passed away suddenly at the age of 63. Uh, he and my mom were staying with me, helping me to pack up our house to move to Dubai. And it was around seven in the morning and my, uh, my dad um, put the kettle on to make tea and sat on the couch to, to watch Sky News and he had a massive heart attack. Um, and then the next bit of chaos that followed, my mom and I were trying to do CPR, running out in our pajamas, trying to flag down the ambulance. The medics arrived and, and sadly they told us that he had passed away. And then they turned and they asked me, do I have a preferred funeral home? Um, and, and I just, in my head, I thought, what? I mean, my plan for today was, I was gonna try and have a, a, a quiet breakfast with my mom and dad, our last breakfast together, and surrounded by boxes before they came with the big container to pack everything into this. And then I was flying to Dubai and they were flying back to Cape Town. And so, um, no, I, I didn't actually have a handy funeral home in ready uh, to give them uh, because that was not in my plan for the day. Um, but don't worry, my British DNA kicked in. I didn't say that out loud. I, I probably just politely shook my head. Um, and then the next day, instead of flying off to Dubai, I flew home with my mom to, to our family home that she'd lived in for, I think, 35 years by then. And my mom always had this calendar on the door, on the bathroom door, the monthly calendar with all the plans. And I just kept staring at it because there it said that my dad has a dentist appointment on the Tuesday. And, and I just kept thinking about how, how can that be? Dad, how can dad not be here? He's got a dentist appointment book for Tuesday. And I, and I looked at the other meeting with an appointment that he had and, and, I, and I just kept thinking, Charlotte, he's made all these plans and appointments not knowing that he'd never be able to attend them. And it was such a face-to-face -face moment for me with the frailty of our humanity. And, and that is what James is reminding us of today, that none of us know what the future holds. All any of us ever have is today. And the second warning from James is that putting your faith and your peace of mind in your money and your own abilities rather than in the Lord is, is just silly, really. Uh, you know, having just made the point that life is uncertain and that we are not able to control everything that happens, he rightly makes the point that if our faith is then in ourselves and our own abilities, um, or our peace of mind is in the fact that we have got money in our bank account, then our faith is misplaced. And he's reminding us that Jesus talked several times about storing up our grain in barns and thinking that that made us secure for the future. You know, in 2008, I thought that we were financially secure as a family. Uh, my husband was just finishing his third degree. He had an executive job in a large financial company and we had just built our dream home and we had savings for retirement. And I was on maternity leave, uh, feeding um, our second baby and watching the news. And I watched how uh, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers and Merrill Lynch collapsed and the financial crisis began. And over the next couple of years, I saw how misplaced my faith had been as the bonds that I thought were full were completely emptied out. And the education that I thought would ensure my husband always had work still left him unemployed. You know, I hadn't realized that a few bad decisions made by people on a completely different continent would have such worldwide repercussions. And I hadn't realized that even with the best planning and hard work, 
that we as humans really are still so vulnerable and that much in our life is not within our control. But I should have known this because Jesus had warned us about this in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, where he says, do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, Jesus also isn't saying that we shouldn't be good stewards of our money, as the Bible clearly tells us that that is wise. But what he is saying is that if your trust and confidence is in them, or if they as a goal dictate how you live, then you're serving money, security, comfort, and self-indulgence rather than serving God. And in verse 24, Jesus goes on to explain that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus, of course, is talking about our hearts here. So as we look into our hearts today, how would we know where our trust and faith lies? You know, what does it look like to have peace based on our bank account rather than in God? Could it be that we only give generously when we have money left over at the end of the month instead of giving when we feel prompted to by the Holy Spirit? Or could it be that when we need to trim our budget to afford that car or that house that we want to invest in, that we decide to rather cut our tie than to buy a smaller one? You know, Jesus tells us that to put our faith in worldly things which can be lost is silly. And he warns us that to put faith to put our faith in ourselves and our own ability to work harder, to study more, to think up better plans is also foolish because we don't know everything. And he's telling us that the only place to put our faith and trust is in God, who is wise, loving, kind, and faithful. And the only safe place to store up our treasure is in heaven. And so as Christians, we don't just go after what the world tells us is worth having like a nice house, fun holidays, and a fast car, you know, we need to ask the Father what really counts and what has eternal value and go after those things with him. Which brings us to James's third warning, which is, are we living according to our own desires and building our own kingdom, or are we sold out for God, surrendering all to him, including our plans and desires, and seeking first his kingdom and his will? In other words, if you know the good, you know to do, should do it today. And again, how do we know if we are doing this? Uh, James covers this in two ways. Um, and, well, let me put it this way. He covers in two ways how we know if we're not doing it. The first is that we leave God out of our plans and we seek after our own desires. We become more concerned with what we want out of life. Then we become concerned about seeking the Lord and growing in our relationship with him. And the second is that we know what we should do, but we just don't actually want to do it. So an example of this could be that we feel prompted to give to someone in need, but we're saving for that car deposit, and so we'd rather keep the money for that. Um, it could be that we know the right moral choice that we should be making, or we know that we should be taking care of our environment, but we just don't really want to do it. Um, or it could just be as simple as taking a meal to a neighbor but we feel a little bit awkward, and so we choose to rather watch Netflix instead. Yeah. Um, 
are we giving the Lord space in our lives to work through us and to reach those that he wants to reach? And this also just links in with what Mark shared so well with us last week about submitting all areas of our lives to the Lord, not just the areas we want to. Um, now, I know that these have been some tough questions, but the interesting thing is, is that living from a place of surrender actually frees us up to enjoy today. You know, it takes the pressure off of ourselves and trying to get everything right to ourselves. And so we can actually relax and follow the Lord's leading rather than trying to solve everything ourselves. You know, as Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, as Christians, we don't have to keep going over the path and second guessing or regretting our decisions because Jesus told us that we are free from all of that. And no matter what has happened, he has given us a hope and a future. We don't have to live in fear and anxiety uh, because the Lord has promised to look after us, as he said in Proverbs 3, Verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And in Matthew 6, verse 34, Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I just want to take a quick moment here to talk about worry and fear because I find that that's often my greatest hurdle to overcome when it comes to actually enjoying the moment and living for today. You know, my fears about the future and running through all the what-if scenarios in my head often rob me of the joy that today has to offer. But the Bible speaks to us often about trusting God, casting our burdens and troubles onto Jesus, and using today's strength to deal with, tomorrow, with today's troubles, not tomorrow's. And so even when our troubles are very real, we need to fight for the peace and the joy that is our strength because that is how Jesus tells us to live. You know, right now as a family, uh, we find ourselves in a battle again with unemployment and the lack of finances. So I know how real the worry is. In fact, I would say I probably fight this on an hourly basis. But the word of God says in Psalm 118 verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. And so every day I have to choose to get up, surrender my troubles to the Lord, ask him for more peace and joy, and then focus on what he has for me to do today. You know, as James reminds us, we can choose to do the good we know to do today. We may not be able to control what will happen tomorrow, but we can control what we spend our time on today. And so what is the good that we know to do today? Well, it could be, for me, spending time with my children, making food for my family, maybe phoning someone the Lord lays on my heart. You know, as Paul says in Hebrews 3, encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. I don't know why I love that verse so much. It's just something about the play on words with today. Anyway, uh, point aside. Uh, the point is, I can still have a fruitful day today. And I can find the joy that the Lord has in store for me today. Which brings me back to my lessons from the UK weather. You know, so often I used to look at the week ahead on my weather app and get upset 
that there was rain predicted for every day of the coming week, you know, 60% on Monday, 80% on Tuesday. In my head, it was like rain every day, another ruined week. But what I have noticed here is that the weather can go from rain one minute to sunshine the next and maybe even snow that night. Um, but the fact is, there is often sunshine at various points throughout the day if you choose to look for it. So I am trying now to apply that not only to my weather outlook, but also to my day. And instead of looking now ahead at my week or my year and going, this is going to be a terrible year because of X, Y, and Z, instead I'm choosing to look for the sunshine that God can and does bring into each day. So let's just recap the three points from today that James wants to impress upon us. The first is that life is uncertain and you are not in control of everything. Second, put your faith in the Lord, not your own abilities, wealth, and plans. And thirdly, seek first the Lord and his will. You have chosen him to be your Lord, so trust him. Surrender your plans for his and do the good you know to do now. I want to just end with a final thought, but before I do, I felt I just can't preach, preach a message on today and not read what else the Bible says in Hebrews 3, which is, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And so I specifically want to speak to anybody who isn't a Christian yet, but maybe something you heard today or you've been thinking about it for a while and you feel like maybe God is speaking to you. I just want to say, if you're hearing his voice, don't harden your heart. Choose today. Um, it's the best decision you will ever make with your life. Now, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, and I've never felt alone because he is always with me. You have a friend for life. You have a savior for life, and your destiny in um, heaven is secure. And becoming a Christian is as simple as praying and asking the Lord to come into your life. And so if that's you this morning, um, I'm just going to pray now and you can pray along with me. You might also want to call a Christian friend if you want to just chat and find out a bit more. Or you're always welcome to contact us also here um, at hopechurchharrogate.co.uk. It's hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect and you can just email us and someone would love to chat to you further. But I'm just going to pray this morning and feel free just to join me um, in prayer. So, uh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, I want to trust and follow you as my saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and giving us eternal life. Forgive me for what I've done wrong. I invite you to come into my heart and life as my Lord and saviour. Jesus' name, amen. And so my final thought for today, um, and for that I'm going to use my South African sporting background, um, and I think this, this is especially for those maybe who've been a Christian for a while now and maybe like me, sometimes you look around and in worldly terms, you look at what others have and you think, gosh, looks like they're, they're doing better than I am. I just want you to remember this analogy and it's rugby versus football. Not that I have any preferences, but anyway, just think of it like this. Okay, so in rugby, a converted try gives you seven points. You know, for those who don't know, you know the guy gets the ball over the line. Seven points are for a converted try. So a winning score would often be like 22-12 or 32-19. That's what the scoreboard would look like. But in football, you know, the guy gets a, um, scores a goal, it's one point. 
So a winning score would look more like 3-1 or an amazing score would look like 5-0. Um, so now I just want to remind you, as I remind myself, that we have signed up to play football, okay? So comparing yourself to rugby players out there and thinking that you are failing because it looks like they've got 22 points on the ball and you've only got three, remember you've signed up for a completely different game. You have signed up to play football. Okay, and three points in football is a massive win by the Lord's standards. And he is who we are playing for. So um, remember, Jesus never went after worldly treasure and rugby scores. He focused on what his father had asked him to do that day. So stay focused on your game. Um, see what Coach Jesus is telling you to do. Get up every day. Ask the Lord what your three goals are day and then celebrate with him when you score them.